0: Uh, This uh, last week on Thursday, I was at a breakfast, and a question came up. Says, "Hey, what's a dream of yours?" And I was sitting at a table with uh, men and women, and I just said, "Well, I said the dream that I have is I founded this church, and I shared the premise on how it came about, and I said that we're doing something for the next next generations. The name of." the theme of our church when we started was the church for generations, many, you know, many generations in one church. And I said, we want to go to the next level, um, which to have room for all the things, all the dreams that we as a church have. And at the end of me just sharing that, I said, so we're a church with younger people who are at the beginning of their careers, the beginning of making money. I said we want to raise a whole lot of money. We're going to need, it when it's all said and done, believe it or not, this property sells for two million, but we need another four million to go with it. I've, we've met with some men who said, hey, we think we can put a package together over here. Uh, here's a rough picture of the building you can build, and one of them said, I was even he was going to West Palm last week. He goes, I think these people may even be interested in helping you borrow the money, and it's just in. Just incredible when you put your dream out there, when you say it, you know what you you're dreaming, hoping for. So I just shared that dream, you know, about uh, going the next crazy level, you know, having one service instead of three and having room for more people to come. And so when I was done, he I go I go, what's your dream? He goes, my dream is to be a part of your dream. And he gave me forty dollars towards our building fund. Isn't that incredible? Somebody come, oh, we'll do it later. Um, <clears throat> and which brings me to this point, you know, when you share your dream, you know, a lot of people are, we don't want to put it out there. Do we have, you know, six million in our pocket? No. But there's all these no's out there. People, there's no for this, you can't do that, you, you know. I'm just going to go forward until someone says No. And they, they're going to have to say no a couple times to get me to stop. I get a no here, I'll just go this way. and get a no here go that way. Because one day we're gonna, someone's going to share that dream and somebody's going to go, here's 400,000. I believe in that dream. Because I don't have one. And I have money. I have a dream, I don't have money. All right? So I'm just trying, I'm just going to keep telling this story in this dream until I find the person who's got no dream and they've got the money. And we're going we're to marry those two together. Amen? Amen? Listen, it's, it's the truth. It says you're four handshakes for meeting the president. That is true. It was true for my mother-in-law. It was true for me. Uh, you get a call. Somebody says this person does that. You get three or four phone calls. Next thing you know, it's at 2 o'clock. Be here. You'll meet the president. And it's just incredible. So I believe that if we as a church, we may be four phone calls away from someone saying, hey, here's a million bucks. It happens all the time and it's our turn move up it's our turn (laughs) we're in line i'm in that line okay so before we go any further let's have a little thought for memorial day on the video
1: It's taken the better part of the last nine years to master the art of catching this elusive, microscopic moment. The instant he realized where hamburgers and his little sister came from have been among the most enjoyable. Third grade has taught Hudson a lot about the roots of our country. So when a business trip sent me to D.C. recently, I thought it was the perfect opportunity for a father-son trip and for me to watch all the little dots connect in his head about what he'd been learning in school. We saw where the very first president lived. We came all the way out here for this? (laughs) And we saw where the president lives today. son taught me what he'd learned in school about the men who framed our country. And I taught my son about the men and women who are still shaping our country today. And that's why the legislative branch is broken into two different sections.
2: Yeah, but why do they argue so much?
1: We walked in the footsteps of countless men and women, who stood up for their rights. And we sat at the feet of the great emancipator, who to this day still sits vigilant over all of our rights. He's a lot bigger in person. Uh huh. I've been looking for those clicks, those aha moments. But my son surprised me. He had it all pretty well figured out. But we still had one place left to visit.
0: What are these, Dad?
1: These are our heroes, son.
2: What kind of heroes?
1: These are the heroes that made possible everything you and I saw today. These are American heroes, son.
0: Is that a hero, Dad?
1: Click. Yeah, that's a hero. Can we go get pizza now? Those moments never last as long as a father would like. And today I pray that the families of these fallen can somehow feel the goodness of God amidst their loss.
2: Come on, Dad, I've been waiting forever.
1: Okay, let's go. It is because of the sacrifices of our heroes that I have the freedom to experience moments like this. So to all the men, women, and families of those who served in the armed forces, thank you for your sacrifice. You will never be forgotten amen
0: let's uh, pray for the families that have been shaped and affected by such sacrifices mothers fathers sons daughters wives husbands um, so father we we just ask that from your incredible wealth and riches that you would bless and honor those families that have been so affected by the absolute sacrifice of their loved ones. Father, to make the lifestyle that we live today possible. Father, that that spirit that you've placed within people to serve and to put themselves in harm's way, Father, bless them and keep them safe as they are in harm's way this very day. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in the last week of this series. Uh, the next week, our times change also uh, as we start summer. Memorial Day is the unofficial first day of enjoying the blazing heat of Florida. But... Um, We've been enjoying a few of those days already, but this is kind of like the unofficial start. I want to end this with discipleship. And you would think, well, that's kind of strange. But in the book of Matthew, there's there's a progression on how Jesus says that we're to live. And not just live, but you know, the last thing he told us is to go and make disciples Before he ascended into heaven He said make disciples And you, know, you, you may have gotten, you know, To this church And we're, we're, we're big on discipleship But too often Discipleship gets put into a box What a disciple is uh, How to form them What's to take place But I really believe that if we take a look at The progression that Jesus gives us in Matthew It's going to take some of the fear away And it's also if you understand how to be a disciple It answers the question how to make a disciple And it's quite easy the making if you get the Becoming down. So let's take a look at that that progression That we see in Matthew, in Matthew it says follow me and here's the important thing about the following: people think that oh when Jesus went walking through you know he goes hey follow me, I want you to know those guys were not disciples, they weren't disciples in fact people called Judas a disciple and he didn't really make it to the end, his end was kind of bad but he was following wasn't he So, you know, we can argue that is that the disciple, but there's some this progression. It starts with follow me, and these guys didn't have any, they hadn't made any commitment to the Lord, except for there was something there and they just dropped their nets and took off. There was something about Jesus that when he came, he said, follow me, they followed. Well, we go to the next verse in Matthew 6, and this is the progression. It says, after they were following, and, and two chapters later, now he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So, you know, there's something that hooks our little cart to somebody, and then at some point, there's a, a direction. You know, they followed Jesus, but at one point he said, you know what? You need to seek the kingdom of God and that kingdom's righteousness this is where I want us to get the expanse, the kingdom how many have uh, have in the past or presently have a year's pass through the magic kingdom why why do you get a year's pass? because you can't see it in a day can you? It's like I got to get a year's pass. You know they go, well, get a week pass. You can't see in a week, and then what you see in a week, going, I am want to see it again. And so you get this year pass, and then how many have bought numerous year? You know, this year, next year, how, how many buy them every year? Uh huh. I've bought. I have. I've actually bought two year passes, and I've only used them once every year. And that once I go back, I buy the next year pass. I've stopped that cycle. <laughs> You always think, oh, I'm going to go more often. Yeah, it never happens. So (laughs) I'll take the grandkids. Now that's the magic kingdom. What about God's kingdom? The expanse of discovering that. You can't in a lifetime discover all of God's kingdom. But there's an attitude that You can't. No, it says, seek first the kingdom. I got news for you. Once you seek first the kingdom, there's no second. Because seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what I'm going to tell you? That if you're seeking that kingdom, you know what's in that kingdom? Your job, your wife, your husband, everything. And that's, that's why I believe it says, and everything after seeking the kingdom and his righteousness Everything else falls in place because it's in that kingdom is the answer. I had it easy. I found, and I had my experience when I was 19 years old. If you were here last week and you heard uh, Jared Melick, he said that he, his first marriage, uh, neither he nor his wife were Christians. They had a couple of children. She left. Here he is raising these boys, by himself. And then he becomes a Christian. And let me tell you, it's by the God's grace on me, because I don't think I could fight those battles that he's fought. Because for me, before I met Crystal, I'd had a, an experience with the kingdom. And, I, and I, when I met her, I was walking out this kingdom and his righteousness she was a part of it i found her in that kingdom and you know as rough and the ups and downs that you have when you have that foundation i can't even imagine the road because he's got things that show up you know from when before he was in the kingdom that he has to deal with attitudes and things that people in his life and it's like oh i honestly I honestly don't think I had that strength. So he was here the first service, and I, and I told him again, I said, man, I really don't think I would have had the strength to fight all the demons of the past and the zombies. I don't go to zombie movies. They give me nightmares. Um, and I said, this, you, you deal with real zombies from your past. I, I said, I don't think I could do that. And he looked at me, he goes, most days I don't think I can either. <laughs> And he really has to throw himself in seeking the kingdom because these things want to drag him off. But we see this progression. It says, listen, just follow. It says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then, Matthew 28, therefore go. Once you've done this, once there's the, you know, the come, then there's discovering this kingdom. Well, becoming a true disciple always leads to making disciples and there's a reason for that some of you in here, you may love the Lord you may have experienced the Lord and you think it's just impossible to make a disciple it's not I'm going to introduce to you this progression that Jesus presents to follow discover kingdom. And in that expanse is your job, in that expanse is your maid, in that, in that righteousness you find these things. And then everything settled in that kingdom. I want to be in that kingdom. I want my life pass to the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you. Wait a minute. He goes, follow me. He didn't say drop to your knees and ask for repentance. He didn't say memorize these scriptures. He said, just follow me and I will make you a fisherman. I'll make you a discipler. If you follow me, if you do what I do, you're going to understand how this thing works. See, being a disciple is not memorizing scriptures. It's not at this date I, you know, was prayed for what it being a dis- disciple is being able to live in such a manner that it honors the Lord. You don't even have to understand it, it's just that you've seen someone live it and you can mimic that, and life changes. And you go, I don't even understand why this works, it just does. I'm following them while they do it, it works for them, it's working for me. Like, you don't have to be so smart. I'll give you an example of someone who's done it and is not very smart. <laughs> Here's the deal Who's this me? You see, we, we get this idea that Jesus just showed up, go, hey, guys, follow me. You know, not at all. Because you have to go back. This was in the end of chapter 4. We need to read chapter 1. And what it says in the picture that we get of this me. Chapter 2, who is this me? Chapter 3, who is this me? And when he steps up and goes, follow me. These guys are going, see you, dad. We're out of here. Who is this? Because to make a disciple In Colossians And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago In Colossians We think That if we teach somebody Listen, don't touch Don't taste Don't look But in Colossians says That has no value Has no value when it comes to sensual things, the desires of your flesh. It has no value. There's something else. And, And I always made the worst mistake. I almost destroyed my family. Here it is, I'm saying discipleship is a part of the survival kit, yet, discipleship almost destroyed my family because I didn't realize. That my calling had changed in discipleship. See, the older you get, where you are, where you're living, what you're doing, discipleship changes, and you've got to grow with it. I was uh, a youth pastor, and man, I I was whole hog. I was I was a youth pastor before Crystal. Crystal and I, when we realized, hey, maybe God's putting us together, you know, I said, hey, let's go to the mountains. Let's go to the mountains. Let's go to North Carolina. Let's go on this trip. And so she, I pick her up. We show up, and we get on a bus with 350 other kids. And she's like, we're going to the mountains? I go, yeah. You know, and then, you know, I'm leading the kids and a bunch of silly stuff on the bus. We get up there, and I go, okay, your cabin is over here with these 30 girls, And my cabin is over there with these 30 guys. And every night I led the worship, did the skits. And three days later, I run into her. We're kind of passing, and she's like... (laughs) (laughs) She goes, "Uh, I thought it was us in the mountains. I go, oh, no. It's us. In the mountains, (laughs) it's 350 of us, and you're discipling 30 girls. She came to the understanding that I was seeking first the kingdom of God, and if she's in that kingdom, there's a future and she realized she was in the kingdom and that the kingdom that she was in search of God i was in that kingdom this kingdom is huge she does the lovely project okay my my son his he's is finding the kingdom in worship crystal is in ijm You know, she's been to Washington a few times to to lobby for slavery thing. And and Aslan is an incredible teacher, very prophetic. And then all those, you know, that they're married to, every one their spouse serves in the kingdom. So no matter what, if I'm having an argument with my wife, if I'm having an argument with the kids, it all comes back to the kingdom. That is where, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I messed up. But let me tell you how I messed this up. I almost missed it because I am, I am just so, pouring my life into people. It's just, it, I'm just, I want them to know what I have experienced. And so I had a meeting, uh, I think it was a young adult meeting, and <clears throat> Meeting's over at 9, 9.30. But then I got to go out with a couple of guys, you know, and we go have coffee, and it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I have three small children at this time. Because I'm a loving husband, I don't want to wake my wife up. whenever you that satisfying, you got away with something, that big breath. <sighs> do, do y'all have that? Oh, absolutely. That is like the best breath in the world. <laughs> I got away with it. <sighs> new day tomorrow. And then something so soft split the dark. I hope you are the best pastor in the world. Thank you. little pensive on this one her timing is impeccable she lets you get high hopes she crushes you and there's nothing being said your hope is going back up and then the one that takes you out Because when your kids are teenagers, they're going to need someone to love them and spend time with them because their father wasn't here to do it. (laughs) At the first surface, Crystal said, thank you. all I was doing with my kids was teaching them I thought it was so good when they were little do not touch, do not taste don't run in the road don't ride on the hood of the car (laughs) don't stick the fork in the outlet I mean that was good parenting I thought but soon as they're about five and six and seven and eight it goes from do not touch, do not taste to they need they need their own experience with God, not mine. They need their own. I can keep them, from, I can keep them alive by smacking their hand and, and telling them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but their life is not going to be impacted or changed for the kingdom. They cannot live on me, but I, what has changed is they need to become my disciples, not just my children. They need to become life. I need to stay out at one o'clock with them. And all the seasons of life, let me tell you, if it weren't for my the grace of God, if it wasn't for my wife, if it wasn't for the character of my own kids, I don't know if they all would have made it because they they got to a place they all had to forgive God and my calling. They had to forgive the church people and the people I was spending so much time with, and that is they don't do what you ask them to do or tell them to do, and they walk away anyway. They had, but they did that, and they've experienced God for themselves. But something had to change in me from just being a parent to being a discipler. That they know that no matter what, it's about the kingdom. But the difference is, is they're about the kingdom. I was denying them just because, oh, well, they're my family, they're fine. And I was about everything else over here and did not recognize that they are a part of the kingdom. That it is, a, a, a believers are promised that, you know, we're going give, to be given offsprings that are going to walk in righteousness. So I came this close to just absolutely blowing it. Here's what Jesus did. If we understand, he says, follow me, and I will make you. just have to follow. But what happens to that follow part? How to be a disciple, when you understand how you're going to become this disciple, which we will do today, it answers the question, how do I make disciples? So here's what Jesus did. In chapter 4, now we're going to go back and read chapter 1. I'm not going to read chapter 1. I'm going to read the different descriptions of Jesus from chapter 1, from his genealogy to chapter 4 to this point right here. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and said, uh, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake where they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for men. At once They left their nets and followed him. A little further down the road, they saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them and said immediately they left their boats. But I want you to know, it just wasn't Jesus going down, hey, follow me. He's like, you're an idiot, you know. But that's why we have to get the picture of who Jesus is before chapter 4 if you can get just one of these pictures I think I have 18, I've added a few, I've subtracted a few but these are the different pictures that it paints when we read the first chapter, and I'm just going to read the, the chapters in Matthew 1, it starts off the very first line it goes, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David the son of Abraham, do you know what it just said right there? And we go, well, well, this is a bunch of words, this is, this is just this genealogy. No, Jesus, the name Jesus means Savior. I mean, people say, well, what's your name? Jesus. What's your name? Savior. How many, how many of you would be intimidated to carry this name like, you know, hey, what's your name? El Guapo. <laughs> uh, you know, one of your parents' girls, one of your mother? Called, you know, said, Here's your name, the most beautiful. And you go to school, first day of school, and your name, the most beautiful. <laughs> it's like the kids would ridicule you, they'd going but Jesus carried it. Who are you? Savior. And there was something about him Savior. Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. I come from a kingly line. I'm the son of David, a warring king, a king that knew God's own heart, son of Abraham in the very beginning in Genesis where God made himself known to Abraham. He is the center of history. You know, it goes back to Genesis that every time that you sign a, a document and you write down 2017, you're saying, This is Jesus. This is no other man. He separated the future from the past. Do you remember zero, where zero comes from? He split the old and the new. He is the center of all history. Anything before? BC. Anything after. He is split. He is the center of all history. Fully human is that he's come in virgin birth. He was born of a woman. He's fully human, but he's fully divine. It was the Spirit of God that impregnated her. Matthew 2. Matthew 2. Is Jesus is two years old. And the magi from the east come. These are wise men. These are wise men bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They have traveled hundreds of miles following a star. And they said, the, the, we're to find the king. And you have these, these wise men worshiping a two-year-old. Matthew quotes Malachi 5. The shepherd of the Week, Jesus will rule as a good shepherd remember when Israel was in exile they went into Egypt and they were enslaved well the wise men said listen the king wants to kill all two-year-old babies take him go to Egypt the Lord sends an angel tells Joseph go to Egypt he goes to Egypt that symbolizes Israel going in Egypt but this time they didn't come out in exile They came out as king. Jesus is a new, he, he, he started a new exorcist and said that we're coming out free of sin, free from the bondages of sin. He represents the new exodus. He loves his enemy. Who's his enemy? You and I. It was us that put him on the cross, our sin. He loves us. Who's the me? Chapter 3. Chapter 3 is the Savior King. John the Baptist, this is where John the Baptist says there's one who's coming. I'm not worthy. Untie his sandals. He's a righteous judge. John said he's coming with a winnowing fork to separate the shaft. He's filled with the spirit of God when John the Baptist baptized him it said the spirit fell upon him like a dove and from heaven they hear a voice this is my son who I am well pleased chapter 4 is the temptation where he's led out into the wilderness here he's the new Adam the first Adam fell to sin. He goes out to be tempted in the wilderness. He passes the test. He resists sin. He becomes the second Adam. Matthew quotes a prophecy in Isaiah. He said that this is the light of the world. The hope of all nations. I want you to know this is not a good idea. This isn't just somebody who's walking down the street and says, hey guys, come follow me. This is God himself. He comes to us and says, that's the me. He goes, come, follow me. Am I righteous? Have I even you know, walked away from my sin? No. It's about him, not about you. If it's about you getting right and getting rid of this and getting rid of that, it's about you. You. This is about him. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Once you've experienced any one of those, If I came here today, and I walked out here a little late on the stage, and I said, guys, I was on I-4 getting here. I'm a few minutes late, but I had a flat tire. And I got out, jacked the truck up, and I heard this honking. I turned around, and a semi doing 70 miles an hour just took me out. It threw me about a half a mile down the road, but uh, I'm here now. And I look like this. Would anyone believe that? No. If I'm hit by a semi at 70 miles an hour and I bounce a half mile down the road, I'd look different. You agree? If I come in the presence of any one of these titles in a real way, Look different. Now you're a disciple. Now you're a disciple. And when people they they see your flawed, they, they see your lack. But what else do they see is this immeasurable holy God. You're following, and you turn to them and say, Follow me. And you need to take them to that place where they have their experience. It's not about do not touch, do not taste, it's about getting them to that thing that's going to speak to them every one of us needs that moment if you haven't had it or you need another one or you need a deeper you need to have it i had a friend who sent me this little video
2: well good morning my name is joel and i was asked to send this video over and i'll make this short and sweet but um i was asked to tell you a little bit about my story and so I'm gonna do that. Uh, first of all, I'm a full-time youth pastor, and I've been in youth ministry now for about 35 years. And uh, I live here in Melbourne, Florida along the coast, and I'm very thankful that God called me into ministry, youth ministry, and uh, that he called me uh, into ministry here in Florida along the coast. What a, what a joy that is. But uh, about 44 years ago, um, I was in high school. I was in 10th grade and I was involved in church. I'd been confirmed, I'd been baptized. My dad was actually a pastor for the first few years of my life. And so we never missed church, we were very involved. But I really um, wasn't really connected to Jesus. I knew about him, but I didn't really know him uh, deeply or personally. And I met a youth minister uh, at my school and he uh, poured himself into my life and I was able to ask him questions in one day I was uh, at his apartment, and I said, uh, I have a question for you. I said, you seem different than me, and um, I don't know what that is. I, I, and he told me, he said, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, and that's changed my life. I said, I know, I'm a Christian too. I go to church. I've been confirmed. I've been baptized, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff you're supposed to do. Like, I checked it off the list, but I don't, I don't think I live my life the way you do. And he said to me, in uh, words I'll never forget, this was 44 years ago, he said, you know what, Joel, you you do, you have Jesus in your head, but you really don't have Jesus in your heart, I don't think. And I said, well, how do I get Jesus in my heart? And he said, let's kneel down right here and pray, and you can just ask Jesus to come into your heart. And I did that uh, in his living room that afternoon. And when we got done, I said, what do we do now? And he said, let's go play basketball, which is what we did. You know, I didn't have to go out and give up, Uh, drinking or smoking or drugs or anything like that I was a pretty good kid I just really didn't have Jesus in my heart and I recognized that and it was something I really wanted and he helped uh, to show me how to do that. Uh, Then over the years I began to realize that um, I wanted to grow I wanted to be a disciple not just a Christian but a Christ follower someone who's continuing to grow and then disciple and pour into others like he had done to me and so I started doing that and I ended up going to a Christian college, I ended up going to seminary and uh, now I'm, as I said, I'm in full-time ministry. One day this guy showed up at my house probably about a year later and I lived at the end of a street on a cul-de-sac and he pulled up about 10 o'clock at night with half of a cake that he bought I think at the 7-Eleven. and he came into my room and woke me up. My mom loved him so she was happy for him to do that. Woke me up and said, Joel. I said, What? And he said, I have a cake, let's eat it. So we sat uh, on my bed eating chocolate cake at about 10.30 at night. Then he got done and he said, all right, see you dude. And he left and I remember looking out my window down the street, I lived on a cul-de-sac, down the street as he drove away in his old Volkswagen Beetle and I had tears in my eyes and I said, That's, I wanna do that. That's, I wanna be that kind of Christian that uh, gives uh, to others. And I, that was the beginning I think of my calling into ministry and again, here I am today. So it's awesome um, being a disciple, pouring into others, being that kind of Christian. uh, I thank God every day that I'm able to do that to some degree um, over the last 35 years. But I thank God for that person who poured his life into mine. And that person is, as you may have guessed by now, uh, Mark Evans. And I'm eternally grateful to Mark and for his willingness to, to love me and to share Christ with me and to show me what it means to be a disciple. Okay. Thank you for giving me the privilege to do this. God bless you all, and uh, have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Joel. Guys,
0: I didn't want to show that because it's not about me. I wrestled the last couple days. I said, I don't want to show that because it looks like it's about me, and it's not. It's about God. It's about getting That experience in your life, in your life, that makes you a disciple. That's that's getting hit by a semi. 265 miles an hour. You're going to look different. You are going to look different you have to be a disciple before you can make a disciple and actually the make is so easy and trust me it doesn't mean that you have to be a perfect disciple you just need to be a disciple of a perfect immeasurable God It says everything is found in that kingdom if we seek first that kingdom and the vastness of his righteousness